Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. that we elected to not do their jobs they're blocking the bills so they can get millions of dollars yeah early this year they killed a bill we could have had rent control rents get raised we get displaced we just can't take it no more get us in the office we know we can stop this time to put the power of the people in the congress rent control don't you know keep the families together shouldn't that be our goal thousand dollar increase low-income households we can prevent this help you keep your rent low 80 percent the rent was raised right in our district family displaced quality public housing we got a shortage, the problem is mounting But they stay building luxury condos We can't afford and we can't live in Don't you think that we have been screwed for way too long? Don't you think? This isn't normal, this is just wrong Is housing human right? Is the rent too high? Is housing human right? Is the rent too high? Come on, let's go Hi, Tina and Sean. Thank you for having me. 100%. So uh, we've known each other for a little while now. You ran, obviously, against Jimmy Gomez, um, and you ran as a Green Party candidate, and you took a big chunk of that vote, like almost 30%, which is pretty impressive, um, considering that's considered an, uh, you know, an outside of the two-party system. And now you're running for controller, and I think that this is a political position that a lot of people just don't understand. They look at this on the ballot, and they think, I think it's important. It sounds important. I don't know exactly what the controller does. So I wanted to start the conversation off and just talk about that a little bit. Basically, I see the controller position as not only being the, the city accountant, per se, the paymaster, but I think an important part of that is also being a watchdog for fraud, for corruption, or for things that uh, you know are just overspending in certain areas and things like this. How do you see the position of controller? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, we are the chief accounting officer. We're also the financial auditor um, and the paymaster. I, I, I see this role as as being a oversight role. 
um, holding elected officials accountable and also being able to use it to determine if the money we're spending is actually providing results, right? And so one of the things we could do is departmental audits. And so if there are some departments that take a lot of the city's budget or we feel like they're not being of, you know, quality service, then we shouldn't be funding them that much, right? Right, right. Definitely want to be an oversight role and as a support role to the lawmakers because I'm not in a policymaking position, but uh, we can affect policy, definitely. Excellent. Uh, you know, so let me ask you this. The current city controller, her name, his name is Ron Galperin. Uh, you know, we recently had a situation with Jose, Jose Suazar. I cannot say that name fairly. Jose Suazar. Quasar. Jose was involved in some very serious um, allegations of real real estate development fraud. He was taking bribes. And as as we're going through this entire situation, he's been indicted on several felonies. It's related all the way back to the uh, uh, Eric Garcetti's office with some of his staff. And I think it remains to see how how big this corruption issue is. It is a beautiful landmark and a world renowned symbol of a great city. Unfortunately, its grand exterior has concealed a cancer, a disease of elected officials and staff members breaking a series of laws in order to line their own pockets, maintain power, and keep open a spigot of illicit bribes and other benefits. All of this comes at the expense of the city's four million residents who simply want honest government and law-abiding businesses who simply want a level playing field. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nick Hanna. I'm the U.S. Attorney here in Los Angeles. I'm joined on stage here by Vaviet Morgan, who is the Special Agent in Charge of the Criminal Division of the FBI Los Angeles Field Office. This morning, FBI Special Agents arrested Los Angeles City Councilman Jose Huizar on a federal racketeering charge that alleges a sweeping corruption scheme. The case lays out a sordid tale of how Mr. Wiesar and his cronies sold themselves to the highest bidder, and in so doing, sold out the residents of this city. For the past 15 years, Mr. Wiesar has represented nearly a quarter million people in the city's 14th council district, which includes Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles. The councilman was taken into custody this morning when he surrendered at his home after being informed of the charges contained in a criminal complaint. That complaint charges Mr. Wiesar with conspiring to violate the federal RICO statute. So Ron basically stopped his paycheck from going to him after the indictments came. But do you think that he should have had a broader role in maybe sort of fishing out some of the corruption as it was happening? Because it seems to be pretty widespread. Yeah, I'm not sure the controller's role when it does come to, uh, you know, elected officials getting donations. Um, I don't think, I I I don't know if that's, I don't know, because those are usually like backroom deals yeah. uh, on things that happen. Like, you know, if uh, if they were to donate to his wife's uh, campaign or his campaign in the future, that would be something that the ethics committee would pick up, 
which is, you know, separate from the controller's position. Um, but you know, uh, I, I think definitely, um, if there was a way that the controller could look into those, then, then, then yeah, definitely. But it, it would be more so like using the way the controller would work is if we do see us giving subsidies to developers or we are giving them tax breaks that could sort of blink, raise an eye. And that's what the controller keeps account of. And so I think that's one way that we can catch elected officials, um, you know, just seeing who, who voted yes on, you know, like just last year, the, the mayor and city council approved over uh, close to a billion dollars in, in, in financial assistance to, to huge hotel developers, like right. for the Ritz Carlton at the LA Live, the JW Marriott over there. And, you know, if you just look at who voted yes on that, then, and then you look into their campaign donations with the ethics committee, you can connect two and one and one, then you can sort of come up with that information, right? But I think for my, for our role as controller, I don't think we'd, we could look into that that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not much of that of a stopgap. Do you think that then maybe these two positions are a little bit cozy though between the mayor's office and the controller's office and they, there should be more of a little bit of a separation between these two or no? Uh, I mean, this, this, this is definitely an independent role. Like no one could tell the controller what to do. So that's, that's what I really like about this position. Um, because we are, you know, by the city charters, um, we are that independent oversight role. Right. So, but do you, you know, think I, that's been the case in the past, even though technically that's supposed to be the case? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if Ron has been doing the, the best job at, at, at being an oversight person. You know, he's, he's good. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a lot of things that the controller position could do better such as making our financial data more transparent and easily accessible um, and calling out, you know, what we think is inefficient spending or whatnot. And I think that we don't do that too often, like, um, and because maybe they are friends with the mayor, who knows? (laughs) You know, I think, I think that's one thing that we would do differently is we would put everyone on blast, put all the, right all the uh, information out there and uh that that spans and is attractive to many different types of voters as well whether you're on the right or left just putting everything out there right so yeah uh, i think that's right you know here's the situation even if the even if it's not the case that they're too cozy there's been some of the some of the right wing um sort of organizations that monitor things like fraud or they think they're monitoring fraud or tax They've been coming after him and other controllers for this reason because they perceive it as such. They think he's very cozy with Garcetti. That's why nobody's putting a stop to the real estate development money. Do I think the issue is much more complex than that? Of course it is. It absolutely is. And it's hard to really say what goes on behind those back closed doors. But certainly the optics are there. And I think importantly what you're getting at is if we were transparent with those things, if maybe those things were more available, more readily understandable to the voting population, you wouldn't be handing that um, argument to those folks to be making it in the first place. Does that make sense? Right, exactly. I mean, we could use this position to be literally factual and objective and just putting the data out there. And then Mm -hmm. millions of Angelinos can make, you know, the case for themselves, right? Um, uh, you know, as a controller, I want to be objective as possible, but I want, I want to put everything out there, uh, so that 
policymakers and 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 the public could just go into a city council meeting or talk to the mayor and be like, hey, I didn't know this about the city. We spent this much on XYZ. Oh, I didn't know we we made this much money off of, you know, ticketing people for their cars parked yeah. during a you know, just like just like things like that. And I, and I think if people knew that, then there would be much more of an uproar. Um, right. People knew this information. So that's what, exactly like how you said we we're we're indirectly affecting um, you know policy through that way and, and getting people to, to to do something about you know what's going on at City Hall. No, and I think that's important. Um... Uh, defund, I think defund the police is a prime example of that. I don't think most folks realize that the LAPD was taking around 52% of the city budget and they should have known that. I mean, that's more than half of the city budget. That's an insane amount of money. And right now, it's not really clear to a lot of folks where all of that money is going. Is it to buy more military type goods to use against protesters? Is it in uh, ridiculous amounts of overtime that's being paid? to officers, there's a whole, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in that particular situation that needs to be uh, made clear for the, for the city of LA. People say defund the police. They're not saying eliminate the entire budget, but they do need an explanation. Well, all right, some people might be, but they do need, they do need an explanation as to why over half of the city budget is going to law, the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department. It's kind of a crazy amount of money. Yeah, I mean, to, 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 Tina's point, we, we spend a lot, um, $3 billion. It's, it's you know, the average full-time LAPD employee makes close to $120,000. So there's like a joke, if you want to make good money, be a LAPD. <laughs> but, you know, that that's what we want to show. We want to show where each department is spending their money. We want to make it as transparent as possible who we're contracting with. You know, for example, like the LAPD is contracting with Palantir, with um, HP, with Team Bull, with like a whole yeah. bunch of you know, Axon cameras. You know, and we, we want to make this information known because if people see that, they're like, oh, my God, I use, the, I use this vendor on a regular day basis. Um, and it's being used to, to surveil Angelinos, like spying or it's being... Yeah, Palantir, used, definitely. Right. Or it's being used for some sort of, you know... Uh, way that the LAPD is, is really not providing any value, right? But we're, and so we want to put that information out there. And that's what we've been doing for the past month um, and a half or so, uh, just putting that information out there. And the thing is like, people can't go on the controller's website right now because it's not, it's not really people friendly and it's not really accessible and it's not digestible. And so that's what we really want to do. And, you know, every, I think everyone will love that, you know, not just, not just, you know, liberals or progressives, but even conservatives and people 100%. like, oh, God, put everything out there. He put like literally everything out there wide in the open so people can make their decisions for themselves. So so that leads me to my first question. Um, you've been talking quite a bit about a degree of transparency. You've been talking about information being widely available. Were you to win the city controller position? What are some of the initiatives that you would be putting in so that it is more widely available? Is there a way that you could reorganize information other than it sounds like you're updating the website? Uh, are there ways where you would differ from your opponent in creating access? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I you know, when it, when we talk about the um, the actual like log logistics of it, you know, right now when you when you go on the 
the website, it's not really easy to use. Um, and one of the things that we would do is we'd be able to make sure that whatever you're trying to find, like through a search or whatnot, you can easily find it. Because I think a lot of people, when they try to find something, they'll put like police spending or LAPD spending. When you go onto the controller's website, there's like no search function that will take you there. Um, and you, you have to basically dig in. You have to like click, 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 click. And then the second thing is when you do find it, when you try to download it, it's a lot of data. So it freezes on you and it never opens. And so you're like, shoot, like I can't, it's like, first I found it. And then second, you can't download it and it freezes. And, and when you do download it, you can't understand what any of it's saying. And so uh, we'd also add like a, a mapping, like chart of accounts so that when you do download this data and it's really like, it's a big Excel sheet of a million rows, you know, that's daunting. Like the, the average person cannot understand what the hell these millions of rows are. And so we'd also add like this sort of mapping or chart of accounts so that when you look at the millions of rows, you know exactly what we paid for. So for example, like something will be like, oh, we paid a million dollars for, for code number one, two, three, four, five. And you're like, what the hell? Like, that's all the information it gives me. And um, we want to make sure that you, you know exactly what the city paid for, why we did it. Um, so, you know, those are just some of the ways we would do it. Um, you know, just making it more accessible and, and people friendly. And they do have that too, because a lot of people don't have that, don't have Excel, so they can't download and then do it. But um, right now, the way I think they use Tableau um, is um, like a data visualizer that they use, but it's not people friendly as well. So, you know, we, we try to do it to make sure that if you do search for anything on our website, you could easily find it through a search. You could easily, uh, you know, it's just more user intuitive and it doesn't freeze and break out on you. So, um, but yeah, that's what we would do. Yeah. And we're trying to do that actually right now um with our our website so maybe in the next couple of months we're gonna do like a mock oh, maybe nice. we'll, maybe we'll compete with the current controller's website because he has all the he has all the data there so <laughs> yeah it's just a matter of taking it now and then putting it on doing something with it yeah it's you're right. right just adding a search function to that website would make a massive amount of difference because it is you don't know what you're looking at at this point uh and you know exactly. i personally i think that's by design you know, lack of transparency benefits every single one of these public officials in, in some way, uh, shape or form, right? It, it definitely yeah. benefits the LAPD if it hides that they're, you know, purchasing things that they that we don't want them to purchase, for example, and that gets out and the protesters know about it. It causes another um, area of argumentation for them to have, like a strong position. So it's a problem. Yeah. It's definitely a problem. Um, and I also think it would show clearly who's being underfinanced. For example, I think the LA Fire Department is very much underfinanced in comparison. Why do they get 6% of the budget when the LAPD gets 52%? How does that make sense? You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, and some other things too that we would do as well is right now, you can't you can't contact the controller's office. So you literally have to wait like two weeks. Yeah. You have to submit a uh, California public request. Right. And yeah. there's no way to get in contact with the controller. No. The controller has so much power. He has and so much power. There's no email and there's no number. I mean, you call and nothing happens. 
And that's one thing we also want to change too, is we want to staff more, literally more analysts to, to respond to the public, because I think it's unacceptable that, you know, we have all these resources, we have all this money and we need this data, you know, to, 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 to lobby our, our city council members, to lobby Garcetti. Right. Um, and we can't have to just, you know, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't take, you know, Kenneth Mejia to, to dig into everything and, and, and provide it to the people. Right. Um, it, it, we should easily have, you know, right now I'm acting as a controller. That's what people are saying. It's like, we're acting as a controller, even though we have a controller. Um, so we want to make sure that we can provide data, you know, have a phone number, a phone line and right. email and whatnot. So. Yeah, you know, and at the very basic level, I think more politicians need to understand how important transparency is. When they're not transparent, it sort of hands a whole lot of crazy stuff to people that are naturally going to engage in sort of conspiracy theory stuff because it is hidden, right? It might just be bad optics. There might not be any toxic football that's hiding there. But if you don't let people know that, if they don't have the transparency to see it for themselves... Sometimes you end up in these situations where these wild conspiracy theories start to grow. And that does not, as we've seen recently, that doesn't benefit anybody. I mean, the QAnon people are, are out there wilding at this point. So I'm all for bringing more transparency into the situation. Speaking of, I wanted to ask you uh, about the 2019 audit on our housing bond for homeless folks. So he did do an audit on that. And it seemed to me he was making a recommendation that they stop building actual housing units and start using the money for temporary housing. But that sort of is, in my opinion, against what, how that bond was was sold to the voters in Los Angeles. And I don't know that it provides a permanent fix. I think the real issue here is that they're spending too much money per unit. I think the numbers that Galperin gave was um, $350,000 for a studio and $414,000 for a two-bedroom. Yeah, that's a lot to construct these units. It's higher than it should be. So we should probably look into why that is the case. I don't know that recommending that we don't build these permanent housing units is a good idea. But it is a prime example of how he did an audit kind of dumped this information out there and made these recommendations. But if you try to go through the data as your average LA voter, it's a little bit, you know, dense to get through. So do you have any opinion on this particular situation with the housing units and how would you handle that differently? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I read that report from Ron Galperin and his audit it conveyed that on the lowest end, it was around $300,000 per unit. On average, a unit is $550,000. And on the higher end, it's $700,000 a unit. And so, you know, I think the, the point that Ron was trying to make is number one, he was trying to connect it to the emergency um, of the context of what's happening now, a pandemic, it's winter, mm -hmm. cold. And so I think, you know, his recommendation was that um, we find the, the best way to house as much people as possible, um, you know, as, as, as would, 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 you know, with just enough quality that, that it works, right? Because we have, we have over 40,000 people living, in, you know, who are homeless. Yeah. And, um, and at the rate that we're going is we're not going to, we're not going to reach this these 10,000 units that we promised at HHH, right? right. Um, and, and by the time that we do get it, 
our unhoused population will go from 40,000 and then you know, it'll be like 100,000 in the next couple of years. So, you know, I think his recommendation was, was that house as much people as possible because we are in a pandemic. It is winter. It's cold. Let's convert hotels or empty buildings because there are a lot of empty vacant buildings that could convert it at a fraction of the cost, whether it's 30,000 a unit, 50,000 a unit, even 100,000. Um, that could do it much faster. The infrastructure is already there. Uh, so that's actually one thing that, that uh, you know, us as, uh, as a housing activist, like we talk about, right. you know, getting right. these empty hotels and, and using it to, to house people. Um, so I think, I think, you know, he made, he made a, a good point um, in terms of like actually building more permanent supportive housing. We have, we definitely have to find a way to find uh, a way to make it cost lower because it's mm. just extremely, extremely expensive. And it just, it, 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 you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. No, uh, it doesn't make sense. Well, let all. me ask you this. Was his recommendation to convert existing buildings that are maybe abandoned into housing units? Because my understanding on this, and I just want some clarity here, is that using the hotels is just as a temporary thing because they're closed because of COVID, not a permanent thing. Am I misunderstanding that? No, I think there's two. I think there's two. Okay. There, there, there's two things about hotels that they want to do. One is the pandemic is they're using project room key right now. Yeah. Temporary. Um, I think the other thing is though, is that they actually want to convert these empty hotels okay. into like, like apartments. Um, right. to well, that makes sense. So, um, you know, people live in their apartments for their whole life. Um, and so they, they, they could get these abandoned, these vacant hotels um, that are not being used and, and use it to convert it to a permanent supportive housing, um, which, you know, I think, I think it makes sense and you could do yeah. it a lot faster and uh, a lot cheaper. Yeah. That does make sense if that's what they are trying to do. Um, also though, I mean, I want to like delve a little bit further into why the cost of these units was so high. This to me reeks of like real estate developers sticking their hands in there in a way that we've seen often in, in Los Angeles. I mean, let's be honest, we've had an ongoing problem with real estate development money and corruption in the city for a long time. This is not a new game for us. So, you know, there might not be anything there, but again, we don't know. Right. I mean, um, you know, the cost, I think, uh, you know, Ron said it's a lot of, uh, a lot of soft costs, like the administrative things. So like the legal fees, um, okay. a lot of the, the, the outside costs, you know, that are, that are outside of the actual physical raw materials and labor. Okay. And, you know, so definitely, you know, to, 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 if you ever wanted to know like the true cost of something, all you have to do, and I'm, I'm speaking as an accountant and as a financial person is you just have to know the person you're paying. You just have to know what their margins are, like how much they're taking on top. Uh, of I think, yeah. And okay. so I think one, one thing that I would love to do if we do win um, is that, any vendor we pay is I want to know what their margins are. I want to know if we pay you, you know, $500,000 to build something for us. I want to know what's your cost and how much profit you're making off of that. And then from there, you know, yeah, that's, man, that's it'll, smart. It'll, it'll make a lot of people uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> Oh, maybe I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work with the city anymore. Cause then you could, it's a business, right? Like you, you could somewhere else and, or maybe we could build our own public, you know, uh, construction company or we could do it ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, versus always subsidizing private developers, construction companies and whatnot. So, 100%. um, 
Yeah, so that that's one way we could curve that those rising costs. Is let let us know how how much you're making off of this money taxpayers are paying for. So. I think that's smart, Ken. We're looking at a shortfall in the city of Los Angeles, um, a pretty significant one due to the pandemic. We won't know what those numbers of the shortfall are until after all of the property tax numbers and things like that are filed. Uh, how does that change how you're going to do your job if you become a city controller? You know, as, as a controller, it would definitely affect our analysis on how much money we would spend and tell the city, city council and the mayor, like, hey, like we, these are areas which we have to cut back on spending. Uh, we definitely have to take a look at the budget um, because as a city, we are not monetary sovereign. We can't just get our own money like the Fed can. Um, so we would definitely have to provide some sort of analysis and, and, and cut back on spending, unfortunately, um, and really find which departments uh, unfortunately, we'd have to get some cut, some funds cut. So that that's how it, it would affect us. We'd also have to find ways to. It's either you make cuts to existing costs, or you find revenue somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? And so that's that's how it would affect um, our role, our office. Is we try to find new money. Hopefully, we're not just ticketing everybody because we feel like it, um, or you know, uh, or or we we find some departments that don't deserve all this money that they get. Right, right. So yeah, that's how it would affect us. And you bring up an, an important point, Ken, about the Federal Reserve. A lot of folks don't realize that only the federal government can run a deficit. We can't. The state government can't. The city government can't. We have to have a balanced budget every year. So you're right. We either have to cut or we have to have revenue coming in and, and we have to make that work. Um, you know, maybe someday that will change. Maybe MMT will take a hold of the nation. But for now, that's where we're at. Um, you know, and property taxes, that's a good point that, that Sean's making here. We're going to know probably by March where we're at due to uh, COVID and how that's really affected the revenue coming into the city. Also for the school system. Um, we'll see, I guess. Okay, so the big question, though, Ken, is is you're an activist. Uh, I know you from when you ran for Congress. You're a policy wonk. You're very knowledgeable in areas um, related to housing. I know you work with tenants' rights. And you have some really solid ideas when it comes to progressive politics. Uh, so, you know, what is what is the reason people should vote for you in this race as opposed to the other folks that are running? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. You know, number one, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm qualified. I think, uh, I think so far I'm, I'm the only um, CPA running right now, certified public accountant. Um, I've, I've audited and have accounting experience of over of 11 years um, so far. Um, so I fit the role professionally, number one. Um, number two, it's an elected position. And I think right now in LA, and I think all over the United States, people want progressives in, in, in office who are gonna fight for the people who are you know not gonna hold back, um, who are not gonna listen to you know outside influences like corporate donors or, or PACs or anything, just people who are obliged to the people and i think that's what we that's what i've done over the past you know since you know being an activist in housing or just in general um i'm fully committed to to, to making our city's finances transparent um fully committed to making our data accessible easy to read um digestible and i'm also willing to use 
the office as an educational platform so people could learn uh, how to use the city's finances, how to learn Excel, how to use our website, how to teach people to empower them so that they could just go on our website and they're like, I've never had to ask the controller for anything in my life because I could easily just go on there and it's already there. So those are the big three selling points that I think that we really, really are trying to hammer away that will be attractive to a lot of voters. Transparency, like radical transparency, yeah. data accessibility and, educa and being educational. Um, and I think if we win and we do that, I think everyone will, will, will not only know about the city controller position because no one knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people will, will, will really be excited we'll know about it and we'll take it seriously, um, you know, after we're gone. So I, I, I think that this is a, definitely a race that we can win and we're perfect for. Oh, absolutely. And I believe you're the only accountant in the race, right? Um, I think, I think the one other person's an accountant, okay. but I think I'm the only CPA, definitely. Ah, I see. Okay. Would like, that's a difference. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question uh, about something you mentioned a, a, a bit ago in the conversation. You mentioned that if we had as a city uh, our own public infrastructure company where we could build these units and we could cut out the middleman and obviously do it more efficiently, that was a good idea. What is your position on LA having a public bank? We had um, you know, a, referendum, a referendum a couple of uh, election cycles ago where we were looking at doing that. It didn't pass, unfortunately, but I personally think it's a good idea. As a finance professional, uh, what are your thoughts on that? No, I you know I think definitely if you could cut out the middleman, and 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 get costs as low as possible and still provide quality, definitely. Um, you know the argument always against getting the public or the government to do something is that oh it's not the same quality. It's like the DMV. <laughs> it's like the DMV. It's like the DMV. You know that's what they always say, um, but. But, you know, I am in support of anything that is turned into a public, you know, provider, public good, um, as long as the quality is there. And, and definitely, especially when it comes to public banking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these these large institutions are making money off of us, right? Whether it's through interest or, or through anything and in which they hold our money for. Yeah. Um, supportive of it. And I'm supportive of generally anything where, where the public can provide the same service and do the same amount in terms of quality as well. So. Yeah, it's really a misnomer, this idea that corporations provide better service and do it more efficiently versus the government. We can look at examples from both spectrums where, where it's bad service and inefficient. I mean, corporations are can also be guilty of that. So it's really not much of an argument. Um, for me, I'm really compelled by this idea that we save on the interest of the fees. Goldman Sachs is getting wealthy off of the city of LA. You know, every time we do a bond issue, we pay them uh, interest on, you know, all kinds of transactions and things, transactional fees. So just saving that money alone would allow us to provide housing for unhoused folks. Uh, we can put it into our school system. I think there's a whole lot of things that we could be doing with that money other than enriching a couple of banksters. So it's something I've definitely supported and I was really disappointed that it uh, didn't, didn't hold the last time. And I think a lot of it came from a lack of people really understanding what we were discussing here. And I think what state of uh, Dakota, which is the North Dakota that has a state bank, they've had that for decades. And when we had the last housing crisis, they, fa they fared better than any other state because of it. You know, so there's something to be made there. Um, what do you think, Sean? Uh, 
as far as the state bank goes. Yeah. Um, I think that the state could have a bank. I don't think that the city should be involved in it. Because really? Why? It, uh, because I don't trust anyone in office to run that properly. Not even Ken? Ken's not in office yet. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I, look, I don't think anybody that would run the, the public bank as an official is any less trustworthy any less or more trustworthy than a, a bankster is. I think you're just as apt to find a corrupt person at Goldman Sachs as you are in elected officials. They're both, they both can be very corrupt. So I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think, I don't think you can make the case for private ent enterprise versus uh, a public entity when it comes to corruption or efficiency. They both can be good at it or bad at it. I think we have to look at regulation and putting in uh, a system of checks and balances to control those situations. And that's how we achieve something better. Um, what else, Ken? So you mentioned that you're running against Paul, who is a city council person. I thought this would be an odd choice for him to run for controller, uh, not his wheelhouse. Why do you think he's running for controller? Do you think that he sees it as an easy pickings position? like? He's a politician. That's what he is, and he's got to find a new office. Since, it, uh, or, or no, what are, what are your thoughts there? I think it's a low, it's a low information position. So he thinks he'll have a shoe in, and not a lot of people will know about it. And so, um, definitely, it's it's one of those races where I think um, they're taking it for granted, you know, the establishment and whatnot. And so I think they're really going to be in for a run for their money. It's going to be like Anithya versus David Ryu. Yeah. types of um so it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be really good and we we have an amazing team and we're we're already doing a lot of great work so excellent so what are your parting thoughts then um you know first of all thank you both tina shell and thank you thank you for having having me on um we definitely need to have left this independent voices outside of mainstream media so thank you for doing this um you know my parting thoughts is that um, the city is, 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 is in a unique position. Um, you know, this past year or so, we, we've, the people of Los Angeles are seeing where all our money's going. They're seeing it's, it's, a lot of it is going towards the police. A lot of it is not being used on helping our housing or, or, or our parks and recs or our libraries or whatnot or on transportation. And I think people are picking up. Right. And whether it's Measure J or Nithya winning or, or George Gascon, I think the city of Los Angeles is, is ready for change. And I think we are here at the right time, at the right moment. And, um, you know, I think it's it's really going to be a, a, a repeat of, of 2020, hopefully when we win in 2022. So, you know, if anyone is a fan of financial transparency, data accessibility and, and just teaching people how to to use this information for good i mean join our team donate um check us out at mejia4controller.com and and join the team and let you know let's win and that's the best place for folks to donate uh to you is on your website yeah mejia4controller.com uh, and I'll what's your it. twitter handle too if folks want to follow you on twitter um our social media on facebook twitter and instagram is at kenneth mejia la Excellent. Well, thanks for coming Thank on you and so joining much. us. Yeah, it was a good conversation. Um, I think it's good for folks to have a better understanding of what the controller does and why it's an important role. And good luck with your race. Of course. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Hi, Senator Sanders. My name is Kenneth Mejia. What advice do you have for young people like me who are running for Congress and want to help our nation with wealth and income equality for all Great. and not just the privileged few? Well, Kenneth, congratulations. You're running for the right reason. What you have to do is go into your own heart and you got to speak to the people in your community and you have got to have the courage to feel the pain in your community. We need the house our women, our children, and our men living on the streets of Los Angeles. This is amazing. See, this is what the political revolution is about. It's about people stepping up and being leaders. Power to the people! Go knock it on doors. Talk to working people, the single moms, veterans. See if they're getting a fair shake. In other words, you have got to become imbued with a passion and then have the guts to stand up to powerful people and not a lot of folks have that courage.